Hi, I'm Erin, and welcome to Unlikely Grace, where the time we spend together in the written Word of God is not just time spent on a page, but time spent with a person, the person of Jesus. My goal each week is to guide you through a time of reflection on a passage from the Bible where you can listen and respond and delight in connecting with the living Word through His written Word. In this episode, we're going to examine that second spring of love from 1 Timothy 1.5. Remember, the goal of God's instruction to us is love, and that love springs from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. And I'm going to give you this action step for this one right from the start. Remember last time, the action step for a pure heart was be attentive. Well, for a good conscience, I'm going to call it be responsive. It follows naturally, doesn't it, that if Jesus has our attention, then we are going to hear what he has to say. And we're not just going to hear it, we're going to respond. Did you know that's what the Hebrew word for repent actually means? It means to reply. That's what repentance is. It's a reply to God's invitation. Repentance is not something that originates inside of us. God is the initiator, and we are simply turning back to Him, replying to His invitation. Our repentance is a response. There's a story in Mark chapter 11 where Jesus is having a conversation with the religious leaders in the temple. He and his disciples have traveled to Jerusalem for Passover, and this is the very Passover where he is destined to fulfill his role as the Lamb of God. So the triumphal entry has taken place. Jesus has cleansed the temple, incensed at the disrespect for and the degradation of his father's house. His quiet days of ministry in the backwater of Galilee were behind him. His time was getting short. He was in the big city now and causing quite a stir. The chief priests and scribes and elders, they were threatened by Jesus' influence and his displays of power, and they were plotting to kill him. So indignantly, they approached him in the temple and asked him by whose authority he was acting. Jesus promises to answer their question if they would answer one of his. So he asks them if John the Baptist's baptism was from heaven or not. And the religious leaders hum and haw and consult with each other, and they realize with dread that Jesus has them cornered. Because either way, however they answer, they are going to end up on somebody's bad side. So you know what they do? They just lamely respond, we don't know. Those three little words reveal their hardened hearts and their cloudy consciences. Those words, I don't know, can be very good and healthy things to say. 
I mean, I don't know. That's really the first step on our journey toward knowing, isn't it? But these guys were not demonstrating a healthy humility here. In fact, they were being false in order to buy themselves time. They did know. They just didn't want to admit it. Because if they gave a straight answer, that would mean either danger from the crowd or radical repentance for them. And interestingly, Jesus then responds by withholding the very thing that they were after from him. He says, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Do you see it? Jesus was giving them the opportunity to reply to his question, which in essence was also an invitation to repent. But their conscience was unresponsive. They were unwilling. Are we ever guilty of something similar? I know I have been. I've used a similar cop-out to buy myself time. You know, I've, I've lamely said I don't know when I fully do know what God is asking of me. And that is a sure-fire way to darken the eyes of our hearts. I've been learning this lesson in really big ways in my life for a number of years, but I don't want to relegate responsiveness to only the big things. We need to respond to Jesus even in the little things. There's this grocery store where I live called No Frills, and without a dollar coin, their big yellow carts are off limits. I mean, it's an ingenious idea, really. (laughs) They do it to ensure the prompt return of those carts in neat order. But I have been in want of a dollar more times than I can count when stopping for groceries at No Frills. And shopping for a family of six with a little handheld basket is next door to impossible. I mean, a frazzled mom already trying to squeeze too much into her day, just cannot be expected to squeeze a cartload of groceries into a basket. Well, one day I stopped on the way home from swimming lessons to pick up some pizza toppings for supper that night, and I opened the console between the front seats of my minivan and smiled with a sigh of relief to see my dollar coin in its designated spot. And 20 minutes later, Groceries all packed neatly in the back of my van. I was dutifully returning my yellow cart to retrieve my loony for safekeeping until next time when a young mother walked up with a toddler on her hip and she looked confusedly at the long line of nested carts trying to figure out how to claim one for herself. And I said, you just need a loony. I tried to sound chipper as if it was no big deal, but I well knew what a deal breaker it can be when you show up looniless for a grocery run. She dug in her wallet and said, I don't know if I have a dollar. And she had this thick foreign accent and I thought, perhaps this is her first foray to no frills. So I smiled kindly and told her that they also had baskets just inside the door. And then I headed back to my van, leaving her still trolling the depths of her change purse. 
By the time I opened my driver's side door, that little voice whispering for me to hand over my coveted coin was then roaring at me, and I knew what I needed to do. I mean, I had spent years of my life learning to be responsive to promptings like this, and in much bigger, life-altering ways than this. Would I respond to this seemingly insignificant poke? I reassured myself that surely God could replace my sanctified loony. And then suddenly, I was a little curious about what was in my own wallet. And I thought, wouldn't it be just like God to have already provided an extra one? Oh, me of little faith. I opened my purse and guess what I found in my wallet? Exactly that. I dashed back to the store entrance and hurried through the front doors and I found my new friend, actually a perfect stranger, standing in the produce section and she was still juggling her toddler and now a grocery basket too while holding her phone up to her ear. She saw me coming and when I sheepishly held out the dollar coin and said, this is for you, she looked incredulous and dropped her phone from her ear and she said, for me? And with a wide grin, she turned her eyes toward the ceiling and said in her heavy accent, thank you, Lord. I was so startled. I mean, perhaps I was expecting her to thank me, but somehow she knew who to really thank for that small provision. And so did I. Would I have been responsive enough to give her the only dollar I had? I don't know. I sure hope so. But what I do know is that God was gracious enough to provide for both of us. She knew exactly who deserved the credit for my puny gift. And I was humbled to think that my Heavenly Father cares about my insignificant needs for next week's shopping trip, too. You see, there is no such thing as big or small when it comes to listening and responding to Jesus. When we plug our ears or we resort to some lame form of I don't know, we cut ourselves off from experiencing who Jesus is. If we are not ready to answer him honestly, to be responsive, he very well could withhold from us what we are so desperate for him to reveal. You know, sometimes I think we want his blessings on our own terms. We think, well, I'm 90% surrendered, so shouldn't God give me like 90% victory in this area of my life? Like, I'd, I'd be happy with 90%. No, it doesn't work that way. Repentance is all or nothing. God does not give his joy and peace in increments that match our measured surrender. That sight line between repentance and peace must be clear of all obstructions, big or small. So, to cultivate a good conscience, 
be responsive. That's it for this week. If you haven't downloaded the journaling page yet to accompany our reflection sessions, you can find it at erinheatherevans.com. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you most love to listen to podcasts. And if you want to connect in other ways, you can always find me at erinheatherevans.com or on Facebook or YouTube or Instagram. And if you know someone who would benefit from these times of drawing near to Christ through the scriptures, I would love it if you shared this episode with them and invited them into this journey of learning to live in love with the living word. I leave you with the words of St. Benedict, a prayer for you to tuck into your heart this week and carry with you. Gracious and Holy Father, give me wisdom to perceive you, intelligence to fathom you, patience to wait for you, eyes to behold you, a heart to meditate upon you, and a life to proclaim you. Through the power of the Spirit of Jesus Christ our Lord,